From ThatShelf.com, this is Black Hole Films. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. What's a black hole film, you ask? Well, you know those films you always meant to get around to watching, but you never did for whatever reason? Well, that's what they are. And this podcast is all about embracing them and checking those films off our lists and talking about them and whatever else happens to come up. I'm Canadian filmmaker Jeremy Lalonde, and I will be your host. You can follow me on Twitter at LalondeJeremy, or check out my website, JeremyLalonde.com, for more information on me and my projects. If you like the show, please subscribe to it, rate, review it, and leave a comment on whatever platform it is you're listening. It really does make a difference in helping to get more ears tuning in. And if you like this show, check out the others on the ThatShelf.com family of podcasts. And without further delay, let's get into this week's film. This is episode 92, and today I'm joined by Kristen Booth, who is in my film Sex Up for Kids, as well as the TV series and subsequent movies, Signed, Sealed, and Delivered, The Kennedys, movies like Foolproof, Young People Fucking, and At Home by Myself with You. And we're going to sit down and watch a film together. So we're sitting down to watch Silver Linings Playbook. I'm Jeremy. I have seen the film. I'm Kristen. I have not seen the film. That's right. So you picked this film. Mm-hmm. What made you pick this film? Well, I've been wanting to see it since it came out a few years ago, um, but I was afraid to. I'm still a little Why afraid. Why were you afraid to? Because uh, I have um, a family member that's bipolar. Okay. And, and you're so worried it, about the depiction of it? or uh, I, I kind of worried about how what emotions it will stir up ah. with, from in me. and You can have all the emotions you'd like oh. while you're in here. This is a safe place. <laughs> Thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to have emotions, but yeah, the movie just always kind of felt a little scary to me. And then when you said pick one you haven't seen that you've wanted to see, and I was like, hey, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to see this movie. I'm going to oh, watch great. it. Oh, great. Yeah. Nice. So that's why. Also, the, the two actors in it are... Um, fabulous. Um, so that was another reason. But yeah, mostly I'd wanted to see it for a long time and, and was always a little bit wary of it. So nice. Here I am. That's great. Yeah. So do you have you watched other David O'Russell movies? Um, do you know, are you aware of him as a filmmaker? I, I am, but I don't can't name off his films. So he made like I Heart Huckabees. Yes, I loved it. And um, The Fighter. American Hustle. Yep, yep. I haven't seen American Hustle. That's okay. another one I want to see really badly. But yeah. all those other ones, yes. Yeah. So um, I Heart Huckabees. I Heart Huckabees. So Sorry, now. I'm just laughing about the um, behind-the-scenes stuff. Oh, that with one. David and Lily, and Lily Tomlin? <laughs> yes. That's, it's amazing. It's so, it's so it's good insane. that you're like, is this staged? I know. Is like a joke? Well, and Dustin Hoffman's... Like, just standing like, there? Like, just not... sitting, yeah, and just like... It's brilliant. Yeah. If the, the, for those of you that are unaware of what we're talking about, if you just go to YouTube and type in probably I Heart Huckabee's Meltdown yeah. or something like that, yeah. you'll find it. I'm sure that clip still exists somewhere. It does. It's a terrifying and scary. But you know what's interesting? So after that, I was at um, <clears throat> Santa, uh, Sex Up the Kids, our movie Sex Up the Kids, yes. was playing at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and he was there on a panel. Okay. For, I think it was American Hustle. Oh, it might have been this. It might have been, it was either this or American Hustle was coming out. And so he was on a writer's panel there. And someone brought that up. Did they? Yeah. They brought up um, kind of his behavior in mm-hmm. that. And, and 
And he gave a really, really great response. And he's like, yeah, I was in a really bad place in my life during that time. And what I did was not okay. And he talked, I talked about how he kind of, it was, and he's like the best, the worst thing that happened to me ever was that going up online. And it was also the best thing that ever happened to me mm. because I really had to look at myself and my behavior. Mm. I was like, oh, I don't know if that's just your, the, the answer your PR person has told you to give. Right. But I kind of, the way he was saying it felt very endearing that I'm like you're clearly a person who's got some emotional baggage baggage yeah. or some or maybe you have some you know challenges personally or you know that you struggle with yeah you know he's imbalanced somehow potentially and mm-hmm. that's just something I mean a lot of people are so and it's hard when you don't know how to control it so I think now he's gotten to a place where he can and that's why I think a movie like Silver Lining Playbooks Playbooks Playbook is very uh, to home him because I think his son is bipolar. Okay. Uh, there's bipolarism in his family. In his family, which is the reason why he wanted to tell. He, I don't, I don't he know if it's son. Bipolar. He could be as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. By the sounds of some of his his challenges, but um, or I think there's a uh, he made the movie called Three Kings as well. Another and, and, great movie. And there's all there's also stories about him and yeah George Clooney. Yes, like, I remember taking swings at each other. Yeah. <laughs> he so, uh, has some anger issues. He's got some anger issues, but I think he I hope, brilliant filmmaker though. Brilliant filmmaker, and I think he's working on his issues. Hopefully, we're we're all we're uh, all working on our issues. We're, we're all working on our issues. <laughs> uh, great. So what? So what do you know about this movie other than like all the what we already talked about? Um, honestly, not much. I I know that it. Yeah, I know the that the actor two two actors are in it. I know that they spark a relationship, um, and that either one or both of them has bipolar disorder. Okay, that's all I know. That's great. Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive in. Okay. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. All right. We just finished. Yep. And. And I and it was I. I was scared for not many reasons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it was uh, there. It was definitely emotional at times, but it wasn't. Um, it was a little bit of a fairy tale to be- depiction of it is of yeah. bipolar and mental illness. Um, yeah. But at the same time, beautiful performances. Really, I really liked the way he directed it, especially in the beginning half when um, Pat was really was off his meds. Uh, the The camera work that they did yeah. made you just feel so in it, yeah, and and completely off kilter, which was really cool. Um, and then you know you it can out. you smooth out, which is pretty cool. It was very um, clever directing. Um, but yeah, it was, it, it certainly wasn't, um, didn't trigger the, um, floodgates like I thought it was going to. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm grateful for that because it was actually, um, kind of sweet to sit in something. Yeah. It's lighter. I think it's a bit more accessible in terms of that, which I think you could probably watch this movie and go, oh, it doesn't really depict mental illnesses or not uh, the way that they're. Yeah, the fairy tale aspect. I think you could criticize it that way, but it's also, I don't know. I'm I'm not entirely sure what his goals were with the storytelling in terms of that, like how much it was about opening up 
like dialogue or conversation mm-hmm. or is about just like, because sometimes just creaking the door open a little bit helps too. Everything helps. Even just any, de- any depiction helps because it will start a dialogue somewhere, someday, somehow, right? And, uh, but this is, this was so beautifully and artfully done that it's not just that either. It's not just cracking the door. It's also showing you and telling a beautiful story and, um, and it, and I did appreciate, uh, how, how human it was, even, yeah. even, even though it was a, you know, a bit of a fairy tale telling of it, it was still quite real and quite, there were quite, um, some raw moments for sure, uh, that I could, uh, definitely relate to and that were, that felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the first time I saw it, I was surprised by how funny it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially, I mean, Bradley Cooper just kind of comes out of this big, as this big dumb teddy bear mm-hmm. who, but he's aware. He's like, I have no filter. He says that mm-hmm. like that first moment when she propositions him and they're talking about, it, it's like, well, I have a wife and she's like, I have a husband. He's like that he's dead. That's confusing. <laughs> I, laughed so hard <laughs> and I forgot about that and then happening again tonight you have to, I'm like it's just just such a, just his like deadpan quick delivery yeah and how just the lack of filter there's something about that I I love about people like that and I and there's some people in my life that are like that too mm. where it's just like I love the beauty of an unfiltered mind mm-hmm. and it's like and, and, and despite how inappropriate it can be and how awkward it can be it's like I think it's such a blessing in so many ways because we spend so much time filtering ourselves. Yeah. And I realize it's it's very easy and nice for me to be able to love that about someone who can't control it. But it's like, I think, I don't know, there's something almost better. There's a moment when, uh, during the middle of the movie, when he's, he makes a comment about Tiffany and his friend, the one that keeps on getting out of prison early, or mm-hmm. out of prison, out of the hospital yeah. early. Yeah. Uh, and he says, maybe we know something you don't know. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and I, I love that sentiment, that idea that it's like the idea that, that it's not always same as anything in life. It's like there's everything, everything is part blessing, part curse. Yes. You know, 100%. and all of it. And yeah. so it's like, there are some beautiful things that come out of it where you, and what I love about their relationship in particular, um, even though you could, you could claim it's, it's cutesy and quirky is just how raw and honest they are with each other. Yes. And they're not patting each other at all. If there's that great scene after... <laughs> hey, Raisin Bran. After they have that... <laughs> the, their, their scene in the diner and, and she's like giving him shit and she's like, you judged me and you did yeah. this. And, you, yeah. and, then, and then she sees the crowd turn on and the song plays and she turns back around. But then she's also just like... It's not like she's going to say, hey, turn the song, turn the song. She's like, you're going to have to fucking deal with this. Mm. That song is going to play in your life. Yeah. And you can't turn... You're going to have to just you know, find a way to deal with it. And I love that she doesn't just, nobody, put, nobody puts on kid gloves. In yes. This movie. Yeah. You know? The, yeah. Um, and there was a scene with, um, when Robert De Niro talked to him, woke him up in the morning and talked to him about feeling that he hadn't been there, um, for him. And maybe he spent too much time with the brother, uh, and not as much time with him. And it was his fault. Like that scene killed me. It was so... I don't know if I've ever seen Robert De Niro in such a... I mean, I've seen him do brilliant things and 
always be so good, but I don't know if I've ever seen him so vulnerable. vulnerable. Yeah. Yeah. But it's also what's interesting, fascinating, and the movie doesn't really get into it, although it's it's there subtextually, is the fact that it's like clearly he is undiagnosed. Oh, 100%. Like it's, but they never yeah. really get into it. And, no. But even as vulnerable as he is in that scene, I kind of like, I watch that and I'm like, ooh, you're only doing this because you, you're you superstitious because you, you, you're your issues mm. I don't I shouldn't mm. say issues I hate that uh, <laughs> your 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 things uh, yeah I, I think I think it was more than that though I do I ho- think that's, I do I do yeah, truly yeah, yeah. believe it was more than that it wasn't it wasn't a purely I think there was definitely an an aspect of his own um obsession his own compulsions his own needs but I do think there was a genuine mm. uh feeling of guilt and that he had somehow let his son down and contributed to it and maybe even maybe even he is somewhat aware of of his own compulsions and and obsessions and feels in some way that he also handed that down like I mean I I know um I know as I know watching my own parents and I know as a parent that that's something you know, you you don't control what your your children get your DNA, genetically, yeah. right? Um, so I can't control if my daughter is going to get the depressive gene that I have, right? Yeah. Um, but if if she grows up and does, like holy fuck, that's that's a huge burden to bear as a parent um, because yeah. you have no control over it. Yet if you feel like, oh my god, I have. I'm the reason that yeah. my child has this to deal with or, you know, suffers from X, Y, Z. Yeah. And, and I find not that we need to get into this, but it's like, cause I find I, I, uh, I, you know, I have little things and hangups of my own that I see in my son. Yes. And, yeah. and now he's old enough. He's almost 10. And so now we have conversations. Where I'm like, Hey, it's like, you know how you have problems with this? I'm like, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I want you to know that it's like, I think you get this for me. Yeah. And I don't know. If this helps you, but this I found this helps me. Oh, see, took, that's amazing. It took me my whole life to learn this, and I hope oh, that God, it can amazing. help. You're gonna make me cry. <laughs> but it's but it's interesting. But I think it's like, but it's so many people don't accept. But it also it's taken me because I think I I went through my you know my first twenty or thirty years of my life just going. I I don't need to think about it not, but I was, took a lot of work over the last ten years just like doing whatever and reading up on things and just getting in in touch with my own self to be able to understand that part of me Mm -hmm. where it's like, I'm kind of like glad that I can maybe at least offer a little bit of insight to him Mm -hmm. in moments of that. Mm -hmm. But I think it's like, it seems anything in our house. We're very open with our kids talking about everything. Mm -hmm. And I hope it just, we are too. I think what the hope is with that, that is just that they'll be willing to share things when when they're comfortable they won't feel like they can't share anything yeah or that there's any stigma or shame about anything yeah and that it's like you're allowed to feel feelings yeah you know you're not allowed to do certain you're not allowed to be mean mm-hmm. but you're allowed to be upset with somebody mm-hmm. you can't hit them when you're upset but you can mm-hmm. you know so it's just spending time doing that because i think there's so much it's 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 challenging and i think it, part of it is because people don't communicate mm-hmm. which is what's so beautiful about that scene is about is dinner, the father character is is finally communicating with mm-hmm. with the son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very few people. I don't know that I know many father sons, grown 
sons and their fathers that would have a conversation like the father would open up like that to his son especially from that generation too it's tough yeah that very gener- different very different yeah it's, than ours right yeah. yeah 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 but yeah that scene uh that was that was a beautiful scene yeah i've had a little weird like because my dad's of that generation too and it's like but every now and then we have like this weird little we have these weird little conversations where like He's just trying to open that crack as comfortable as he can. Mm-hmm. And he brings a blue. Like, there's a little thing he mentioned. Uh, I walk, I have my hands in my pockets a lot. Um, and he we're, he was with Ephraim one afternoon, and then Ephraim was walking. He walked away. He's like, look at Ephraim's hands. He's like, that's, he says, he does that because you do that, because I do that, because my dad did that. And the reason why my dad did that is my grandfather, right? So my dad, so my dad's grandfather, my great grandfather. Yeah had um i don't know what it was it makes him shake what was that parkinson's? Parkinson's? maybe yeah i think he had aunt's parkinson's and he was very ashamed of it mm. and so he kept his hands in his pockets all the time to somewhat control it or control hide it. it right um and so even though none of us have that right we all just it's like a thing that picked it up picked it up that it's like we just walked around we saw our fathers yeah. always having their hands in their pockets yeah. and so it's something we all do isn't that crazy and then my dad's like he's like, i think it came from that and I was like, and then, I don't know, it was interesting. That that was like a little, in, every now and then my dad shocks me with an insight he has. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, holy shit, he's human. <laughs> well, no, you know, it's no, just because my dad's a lovely, a lovely totally human being with his giant heart. But he's just, you know, he's a simple guy. Mm-hmm. And so every now and then I'm like, oh, you do notice things mm-hmm. about like us and life and things. So it's just lovely to know. Mm-hmm. Those little moments, those moments we have with our, our families. Um... Yeah, so I love what this this there's so much I love with this movie and then I have like a big issue with this movie too. Ooh, do tell. Do you want to talk about the big issue? Yeah. Or more, or more love stuff. No, I want to hear about the big issue. So my big the thing that um bothered me the first time that made me go from this is a perfect movie to fuck this movie mm-hmm. a little bit the first time and watching this this is only the second time I've seen it. Okay. And I'm like maybe it doesn't bother me as much although it plays into this fairy tale aspect of it. Is the thing that felt all of a sudden because I think the first time I watched it, I was so wrapped up in this great story between the two of them mm-hmm. that just felt like this beautiful, quirky. And I don't even know if I felt like I don't think I needed them to get together at the end of the movie. I just loved the relationship they had, and I'm mm-hmm. like, I want these two to be friends forever. Mm-hmm. And the romantic part of it really didn't wasn't necessary for me. I felt the same way, uh, and so. They just felt like, all of a sudden it felt like it turned into a movie when um, Jennifer, uh, when Tiffany shows up at the house and they turn in that bet into a parlay. And mm-hmm. then I was like, what? It's like all of a sudden now you're connecting the football and the dance mm-hmm. in a way that just felt very convenient story-wise. And it was like, artificial. It was artificial. It's it like, artificial. oh, this feels, now it feels like a movie plot device and this didn't feel like that kind of a movie. Mm-hmm. And then the thing, as much as it's sweet that they have a shitty dance and they score a five, it just for me, I'm like, well, that doesn't really help anyone's story in that they all, like, what would have been more interesting for me is to see how how does the relationship between Robert De Niro's character and Bradley Kubrick's character go if they lose? If he loses everything, yeah. You know, it's yeah. like it's easy for them to all be happy when they all got where they well, wanted. Well, and and that's kind of what I meant by fairy tale. I w- I was sort of grouping that in with it, not just the relationship yeah. of 
Tiffany and Pat, but also that whole family dynamic. And I mean, his father obviously has some serious issues that never get dealt with, that never get dealt with, that never get addressed, that never get discussed. I mean, very, very briefly, he sort of teases him about the remotes and the handkerchief. That's it. But that's it. And I found so, so when I said it's sort of mental illness wrapped up in this sort of like fairy tale cellophane, right? Like, um, I meant the, the, the family as well. And, and, and also too, I found the one thing that I found very odd and maybe, I mean, I'm not a man and I don't have, I have a brother, I have brothers, but I don't, I'm a man kind of, but (laughs) kind of, you definitely are. You're a man. Um, no, but I, I found the relationship between the two brothers, odd and maybe didn't quite ring true for me that that beginning scene where he was like you know the first scene where they're together the two brothers and and the he comparing. says yeah well well the one brother's like I, you just lost your marriage i i'm doing really well and you you just lost your house i, I just you know I what i like about and, that scene is that my oh the brother has a, a bit of it like he's, oh, also, you know, right. he's also just saying what's on his mind. Right. He, doesn't, he doesn't have a fil- the filter either. Hmm. Uh, but that's the only hint that you get there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't. I don't know why that, that just felt. Bothered you. Yeah, it felt. Um, I like it in that it's like you're, you're expecting. I think what that scene does, story wise, anyway, is it shows that Bradley Cooper's character is growing because you're expecting him to blow up. From right. That. Yes. And yeah. he uh, and he turns it around. He's like, I had nothing but love for you. I will say also that I felt like I, I kind of felt it was a little strange how they were like, this guy has such a you know uh, issue with violence, and you know they linked it to the father and his being kicked out of the stadium because he you know beat everybody up. But I mean, maybe I missed it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but. Was it just the incident of him beating the guy to a pulp who was fucking his wife in his house? Yeah. Like, I felt like everyone kept saying, you have this problem, you have this problem. But who wouldn't lose their flipping mind well, and beat the crap out of someone fucking their wife in their house? Well, that's just, it's like, in a, you know, in a court of law, it's like you would get off on insanity. Well, temporary, temporary insanity. Temporary insanity, of That it's course. like, yeah, you walked in on... Listening to your wedding song while some guy's banging your wife, yeah. like that, yeah, that you could, in your shower, yeah. So you don't really get a sense of, I mean, because you see his behavior throughout, you're like, no, you clearly have some challenges, yes. But it's like, but, but where does that manifest? Because but that, where that, did that start? Like, it, like they were they were implying that there were things before, but but really, no one talked about anything no. before that. I would have liked to have had a little bit more context. For his past, like his past behavior, because the only thing you, you get like little snippets, like when he shows up at the school and that te- and that woman is terrified of him. See, and I just assumed that was because he had lost it um, elsewhere. Elsewhere. Well, well, yeah, on the guy, and that it, it got around town, and everybody knew that he had almost killed this guy, um, and she was, she was afraid. Yeah. But but that is a good point. Maybe there was maybe that was a hint of like he had lost it at the school as well, and other people. Or he does mention like past behavior, and I'm I'm positive now. I mean, I don't have. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, it does kind of yada yada over. 
I guess they didn't want to because he they keep on referencing how he's lost a lot of weight, so they don't want to they didn't want to do the fat makeup. <laughs> I actually was glad they didn't. Yeah, I I actually thought that was really good filmmaking in a sense of you know you don't have to show it, just talk about it. Yeah, you know, and I I thought that was I thought that was really good. I was really glad they didn't do some weird flashback with him in a yeah. fat suit. Like that would have just cheapened it. But I also like how they never uh, it, you know it kind of explains his wardrobe throughout too because he doesn't really have any nice clothes or any clothes at all. Because and, and none of them really fit all that well either, right? No, because they're from yeah. when before he lost all the weight mm-hmm. when he was away. Yeah, I noticed that in the do- the first appointment in the doctor's office, he was wearing that giant gray jogging suit. And then when he goes to dinner, all he's got is the jersey that his brother gave him. Yeah, and everyone gives him shit for it. Yeah, <laughs> but that's this nice piece of clothing. But uh, I did. I did very much enjoy um, the performances. And, They're great. Yeah, like this is the this is like I think I think you know, this movie is what now uh, five years old or more maybe. Like that. And I think like this was the movie that made everyone go, "Oh, Bradley Cooper is not just the Hangover guy." Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's like he's because you buy into him like what he's phenomenal. He yes. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, they both are. He he does he yes, but he he in particular. But you expected of her. Yeah, and he in particular felt like having witnessed and um, bipolar disorder um, for twenty three years very closely. Um, there were some very very authentic moments with him um, where I was like, oh, I've seen that before or mm. you know I've heard that before or um so that and he 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 sold it like I bought it uh and I wasn't 100% sure going in if I was going to yeah and in fact even there was like in first in the couple first scenes I was kind of like oh, okay and I was you know but then he he completely just became this this guy struggling with this illness and um yeah it was uh yeah and it plays on like there's a moment where it's just like it's so honest that it feels absurd, like the scene where he gets he gets pissed off because of a feral the arms and th- <laughs> the ending of the book and throws the book out the window. Oh no, no, that's yeah, that's I, just it. And he's like, and he's real. so so because he spent he read that book in one sitting, right? He spent yeah. all day reading it, and then yeah. it ends with that. I, I remember, hey, I remember we read that book in high school. And I remember getting to that ending going, what the fuck? So like, what? <laughs> so I remember like when I saw this movie in the theaters, I was like, yeah, I get it. Fuck you. I, think, I felt the same way. Yeah, what does he say? He's like, fuck you book. And he throws fuck it you. Breaks the window with it. But I, cause I remember funny. going, oh, what a dick you are, Hemingway. <laughs> i getting out. Uh-oh. What happened? Did I lose? Oh, we're good. I think we had a little blip. Audio's still going. We're good. Okay. Um, yeah, I got, I remember a similar feeling when I, re- when I watched the book, read the book, watched the book, read the book for the first time. So, uh, I, uh, you could relate. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't wake everyone up at four o'clock in the morning going <laughs> lamenting, <laughs> but I love the passion. I mean, for me, it's just, it's same as like people that have, I mean, I think it's all like, you know, not to compare, you know, artists or whatnot, but I think it's like certain people that are drawn to certain things, they have certain predilections and Mm -hmm. it's like, and I see, you know, you know, one common trait in, in, you know, bipolar people 
that I of the ones that I know uh, is when you know when they're on, they're on, and, they're, and the passion they have, you know, is greater than most people ever, you know. Well, and that's you know when you when you talk about um, medication, and and that was one of the things that rang very true for me watching was listening to him talk about being on the medication, and that it those you it, and... yeah that it you know made him um, foggy. And it, you know, it dulled him down and it, and I, I can't tell you how many times I've heard that. Um, and that's for me, loving someone that suffers from bipolar is one of the the biggest challenges for me is, um, knowing and seeing that, um, this person has to be on medication in order to function yeah. You know, in order to have a life in which he can um succeed and and excel and all those things, but I also I also there's a there I I'm pained by whenever I hear that or think about that because you know, I certainly wouldn't I certainly wouldn't want to feel that way. No. You know, so there's and it's that weighing of it because I'm sure part of it is like, yeah, they don't go through the lows, but they also you don't get the highs either. Well, you don't. Well, we, yeah, you don't get the highs and the high. I mean, with bipolar, at least from my experience, um, the the highs the highs are um, so destructive, mm. and and they don't see it that way when they're in it, right? They think that their their fluid, their their creativity is, is flowing through them and they're, you know, they it's almost like being on cocaine, right? right? Like you see yourself as invincible. Um your your ideas, your inventions, your creations are going to create a ton of money and you're being, you know, however it manifests for each person is obviously different, but these are these are how what I've witnessed and It's all silver linings. Yeah, it's yeah. all silver linings, exactly. And then, but then the reality is that, you know, relationships are being severed, jobs are being lost, you know, you're being kicked out of your home because, you know, other, it's, it, the reality is, is that you, you can't in uh, today's society function like that. And that, but that's Robert Downey Jr.'s character. He's betting his fortune on football games because he thinks his son watching them with him will make them win. Yeah. You know, he's so invested in it. He gets so upset when his. The, he's not upset that his son went to jail for being in a fight at a football game. He's upset because he missed the game, which caused him to caused lose. Caused him to lose. Well, and then in turn ca- called his son a loser, too, yeah. right? Like, turned it away from himself and on to him. I'm sure that was a pattern of growing when he was growing up as yeah. well. Yeah, and that's a way for him to control it. Yeah. Control an uncontrollable situation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No one wants to accept responsibility. That's a challenge. I have that. I have that sometimes. I think everybody and I, and, does. And it, it's just a, it, But you have to like step outside yourself and go, oh, I know I'm just being a child. I don't know this morning. I was just like, oh, I, uh, after five minutes, I was like, all oh, right, I didn't communicate properly. And so I, uh, turned into like a petulant child for a moment there, which was no one's fault but my own. 
That's so good that you can see that. So many people can. Rare moments of clarity. Rare moments. <laughs> Look, Rufus likes it. He likes it. He but likes that's just it. it. But it's like, but it, it takes work on yourself to. It's taken me a long time to get to a point where I can like have some self. Mm-hmm. reflection and go oh why am I feeling this way right now because mm-hmm. it's like I think one thing that I strongly believe in that I love is you know the fact that we you cannot control anything about anybody else no all you can control is how you feel about other people mm-hmm. and their actions mm-hmm. and how you react and how you react yeah. yeah all you control is how you react yeah my mom always says it's not what happens to you in life it's how you deal with it yeah and it's, it's that that's exact it exactly because like, you can't control and you that's, cannot control anybody outside of yourself anything nope no you only control how you feel about it and how you how react, you react to, it. to it yeah yeah and I think once once I really honestly believed that I feel like my mental health improved mm. and my life just improved because I was like oh right I can control these are the things I can control mm-hmm. and I just felt less I was just like less weight on me. Mm. Going, oh, I can't, yeah, it's okay for that to be like that and that person to be like that because that's not, I have no control over that, no say over that. Mm-hmm. And then just trying to be in control of what you can control mm-hmm. is a nice thing and just letting the rest of it go. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a great feeling. <laughs> going, going, you know? Yeah. But I find, I mean, maybe, I don't know if you find this as well. I find that I go through so many, um, evolutions of learning that over and over and over again oh like where i'll 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 forget i'll forget and i'll get worked up and and wrapped up in minutiae and stress and everything and let things like just rain in on me and affect me and like and i'll lash out and i'll try to change it and and then i'll have this like moment of going what the fuck I've been here before and I learned this lesson. Why am I doing this again? That's human nature. But that's human nature. But part of it, I think, and for me, is like I journal a lot. So it's like I try to, when I get to the point where I can step back and go, oh, I am putting myself in a, in a situation that I feel is uncontrollable, mm. but I know it's because I'm being upset about things that I know I can't control because I'm a human and that happens. But then, so I try to sit back and get to the root of it. It's like, why am I. Am I trying to distract myself from something that I'm trying to avoid? Mm-hmm. Why am I giving my energy to this thing that I know I can't control? I had a moment like that last week. It was it was very interesting. Um, I it was right after the shootings in Philadelphia, so it was the Monday after the mm. Saturday, and I was I mean like everybody, I'm sure that I was quite devastated and in shock. I think and and just wrecked um and yet i and i felt like i was holding but i didn't know i didn't know i couldn't i couldn't have said to you at that at that time like this is why i'm upset all i could feel was just this knot in my chest in the center of my chest and everything was irritating me like um you know, my daughter wouldn't get her socks on and, you know, and I, I thought I was going to lose it. You know, I thought I was gonna, just going to like, my head was going to pop off because I was so frustrated and angry. And then I got this email about something to do with work and it was something, you know, a small, small thing that had been discussed before. And, and now it was coming up again, even though it had been resolved and discussed and it shouldn't have come up again, but it did. 
that happens. But I was so angry about this email that I had received and I just, I lost it. And I, I saw red and I, you know, started making calls and everything. And then, and luckily I didn't get anybody. (laughs) Everybody was not answering their phones, but I, at one point just like stopped and went, hold on a second. What am I doing? Why am I, why am I so angry about this email? And then realized that it was because I was holding on to so much of something, these other emotions about these, about what happened and, in the world and about, you know, um, other things in, in my life. And, and it was so interesting for me to have that moment of clarity without it being brought out by a therapist or without it being, you know, without me doing destructive things and then, you know, seeing the consequences of it later and going, Oh fuck, you know, like but yeah. to actually be able to stop in the moment of that fury and be like, Hold on a second. What what is this? Yeah. Where is this coming from? I was like, oh, that's a moment. <laughs> yeah, but it's also and because I have moments like that too, and it's and I realize I'm like, oh, it's like in your example, it'd be like, oh, it's right because there's nothing you can actually do about what's happening in Philadelphia, but you can overreact and lose to, your mind about your daughter's socks because that's something that you can you're you can seemingly control. Yes. Yeah. And. Uh, and, you know, I see that in our own kids, too. It's like whenever my son gets mad at us, he takes it on his sister mm. because he knows that if we've taken something away from him, he's not going to get it back by being mad. But it's like he can mess with her mm-hmm. and that's something he can control. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's, it's, you know, we are all works in progress. We sure are. We sure are. I, uh, I did, I did also the other, the other thing I found about this film that I, I, that I struggle with is, you know, he taught, we talked about, um, how he talked about the medication made him feel foggy or, you know, didn't make him feel right or, or normal or the way he wanted to feel. But then he starts taking the medication and, uh, doing the dancing and, you know, focusing on something that obviously is bringing him joy. And you don't, you don't see the fog. We don't, we never saw the fog. We never saw the, we down- never and saw it- the downside of the medication afterwards. They talked about it. In a way, it almost makes it like the movie's statement on that is that the downs, there is no downside to the fog in, yes, I yes. You know, it's the it's it's what's in his head, and so that it's. I'm inferring this based on nothing, but. No, but that's that is. I mean, it, that's it's it sort of set up the fact that hey, I don't like being on a medication because of X Y Z or you know, and then he's on it and he's and he's Fine. doing very well and and functioning and and there's no, we never saw. Yeah, I think you're that. right. Yeah. And that and that I felt to me felt unrealistic yeah. in some ways. And you know, some people can be on medication and not feel it and then there's also the a lot of times and I can speak for myself, I've I've done this where I'm like, "Oh, I feel fine. I don't need my medication anymore. I feel great." 
I'm, I don't. But you feel great because of the medication. But I feel great because of the medication. Yeah. And then you know you get off of it and you're like, oh my god, why do I? You know, why am I not functioning? Or why am I? And so it could, you know, there could have been that sort of thing. It just wasn't as clear, but it it definitely is the type of film that explores mental illness enough that it does crack the door and 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 gives people an opportunity to to talk about it. Um, well, I mean, I think like it's one of those things where I you know because I don't have as much experience as you do. With it, but it's also I look at it. And I'm like I think it's a good thing because it doesn't really necessarily uncover or get into this stuff. But I think like the average person is not going to go see the movie anyway. So it's like you know, what <laughs> you, mean? you know what I mean? Yes. Like I just think in terms of the way this movie performed, it was a big movie, and that. But I think you know the the, the danger of going really really gritty and super super honest with it mm. is then it becomes less accessible. Mm-hmm. And so less people see it, and so therefore less conversations are happening. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like it's, it's. I look at this movie, and it takes like a spoonful of sugar approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it, it wraps it in a bit of a fairy tale and the love story that makes it a little less honest, mm-hmm. a little more palatable. But it also yeah. starts a conversation to some extent. Yeah, yeah, it yeah it it. Uh, and hopefully, it gets enough right. It, it creates a spark, yeah. and that's really all you need. Um, in the end, to start a fire. So, uh, in that in that way, you know, I appreciate what what he was doing, and and because uh, did it beautifully. Yeah, because in any other movie, she would just be considered, you know, the manic pixie dream girl. Mm-hmm. You know, but but here they they you know at least acknowledge what it is that it's not she's not this perfect quirky flawed creature she's got stuff going on yeah you know yeah although they never diagnose her as anything other than it's really her only they don't again that we don't context of what was she like before tommy died Mm. Mm -hmm. you know yeah did that just make her snap in some way yeah or were there other things going on and that you know triggered yeah i i i i I asked myself that question a few times like wait wait a second like it, yeah. What's her? What is ex- her story exactly before he passed? Was there an issue before, or this all happened because the, her husband passed away? Which is not realistic. Well, it. I, I mean, or is it like it, it? It certainly can be. I mean, it's that that type of thing certainly can throw someone, especially someone who is predisposed to. Um, depression or or some sort you know and and you can be predisposed and not know um often with mental illness it takes um it does take a big trigger a big stressor a big something to to bring it on like um i i never suffered from depression through my entire teen years into my early 20s and then um there was a big stressor and that's what triggered it Interesting. Yeah. yeah, and then after that, it was it was now it's now it's something I I constantly, you know, live with. It's not something that oh I, I dealt with it. It's gone. Like yeah, no, that's not how it, at least not it's not how it manifests for me, um, nor for other family members that um, have either depression or or bipolar. 
It's like once that stressor or that trigger ha- is is pulled or or happens, then then it becomes something you live with. Mm. Um, so I don't, you know, so she, it, she certainly could have been, you know, okay, and then had something like that happen and just snap. Yeah, it can happen. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just racking my brain now. I'm thinking about For, my own. What's my own experience in my own? Like, I've never, like, taken medication or seen anyone, but it's like, but I know I have certain things. I know I have some form of OCD, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. I just, I'm very much, I like I like to have a plan. I like to do my things a certain way. And mm-hmm. when my plan gets deviated, I get upset. Right. And it takes me a moment to stop and course correct and realize it's okay that the plan is changing. Uh, I can be flexible, mm. you know, but I have to step outside myself and really, really work on that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that is. I don't know how you classify that, but right. I think it's, uh, but I know the way I, you know, I'm very anal and I organize things and I, I, you know, I have my, I, my journaling is, is a big thing that I think is, has kind of made my life a lot more manageable and easy and easier on my family. <laughs> just because it's my moment of like, of, of like reflecting about my day, thinking about my next day and start putting out a schedule. And I know for me, it's like the more I just communicate with other people, uh, how I would like things to go, mm-hmm. the easier it is. Mm-hmm. And I'm lucky that I have a, a partner who's very flexible with me in that way. Mm-hmm. And, and I find that the times that I get frustrated is when I haven't communicated. Mm. And I'm like, and I realize, I'm like, that's my fault. Right. I, you, of course, you, you're, uh, I'm upset about this thing because you did this thing, but you did it because you didn't know I wanted to do it this way. Mm-hmm. And that's my bad. Right. But I had to catch myself in that moment. Otherwise I become a petulant child for, <laughs> for a moment and then feel terrible. And I, and I recognize like my dad was that way when I was a child. Mm. Uh, and then, but he would make up for it by like taking me to the store and buying me a candy or mm. a toy or whatever. And that was his way of apologizing for that behavior. And I was right. like, and I remember those mood swings yeah. that my dad would have. Yeah. And so, so I've been aware of that more. And so it's like, I, I, I think I've caught that earlier on in my life than, than he ever did. But it's like, but also going, I don't want to cope that way either. I don't want like my children to just go from me having you know, my, my moments to all of a sudden them just being treated. I was like, I want, I don't want that to be the solution either no. because no. I think that's not necessarily healthy. N- no. But all my, not. also my dad grew up in time where it's like, people don't talk about those things. Yeah. Totally. You know, so totally him, different was, generation. Well, he just, that was just like him. That was the best thing he could think of <laughs> yeah. to, to help and yeah. to make up for, yeah. you know, making someone feel bad. Yeah. It was like making them feel good. Yeah. But it was like that, you know, it'd be better if we maybe just talked about it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just explain that you you know you had a moment and you're not perfect and apologize. Yeah, right? I, I I think that's a huge thing. People are people are so afraid to apologize. They everybody has to be perfect all the time. And many we're not perfect, and that we're all. And that's the one thing like we try to talk to the kids and just explain that it's just like I don't have all the answers. Yeah. Like I don't like I remember growing up and realizing that it's like oh my parents lied to me about certain things or just pretended a lot. And they didn't really know a lot of stuff. And so they just made shit up, <laughs> you know, which we all do. But it's like... No, it's... I, well, I remember... I mean, I I had a pretty Pollyanna upbringing. So, but I remember having a moment where I was like, holy shit, 
my parents are people. Like where I actually what was, was the like, I, well, Do you it? I don't remember it, but I was, I'm ashamed to say that I was like in my early twenties. Like it took me, it took, it took I think, me I don't, a long not, time. Like I had, I just was like, what? I, I think it was a moment where I realized my mom was, my mom was to, trying to tell me not to do something or advise me against something. And I, it was a moment, it was in that moment that I realized she was doing it more for herself than she was for me. Like, <laughs> like she was worried and scared about me. Do, it was a tri- I think it was a trip. I was going to take a trip. She didn't want me to do it. She was worried. She was scared. And so she was, her reaction and her advice was skewed to help her. It was not to yeah. help me. Yeah. And that, I think that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, this is about her. She's got issues. Like, you know, like, oh my gosh. And yeah. It's fascinating. But, but, but because of that, and because it was such a huge pivotal moment in my early twenties, I constantly apologize to my daughter. I constantly say, I'm not perfect. I made a mistake. I reacted this way and I wish I hadn't. Um, I try to do, you know, I try to do the right thing all the time, but sometimes I fail, you know, and, and I, and I always also say, um, to her that there's no mistakes, you know, no, that they're learning lessons. And the only mistake is if you don't learn from the lesson, you know, yeah, that's when, that's when it's a mistake when you don't learn. Um, I remember thinking my, my, especially my mom, I mean, it's not, and it's not her fault. She's, she's an overachiever. I was just thinking she was perfect. And how could I ever live up, you know, to how accomplished and how amazing she was. And then that moment came and I was like, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's funny. It's interesting. I, I, we, it's, it's funny. Cause I, my son is very much like, he's getting way better, but he went through this really, this period where he, he would give up on things really easily because mm-hmm. um, they weren't coming. They were, he wasn't perfect at it right away. My daughter's but very much like He couldn't that. just pick up a guitar and play the way the people that he loves seem. I'm like, but, but you don't understand like the amount of work those people did that you don't see. Yeah. You just see them succeeding. And so he was, it's funny, we had this big conversation where it was like, I'd go off to like a film festival and win an award. Or he'd, we'd do something or whatever. I'd go out and so he, uh, I think I was coming home from something and uh, he's like, oh, did you win? You won the award, right? Because you always win. And I was like, you know, I don't actually always win. Yeah. And I think it's, and I want to, I think what I want to make sure that we talk about more is how I fail. Yeah. Because I want you to understand that that's, um, you know, yes. A I, huge part of life. Yeah, I'm very, yeah. I'm, I'm very lucky. I've had a lot of great things and, and lovely experiences and great opportunities in my life. But I want you, but it's like, mm-hmm. you, know, you have to understand how many things went wrong for me to get here and all the yeah. things that didn't work out. Yeah. Because I know it's, it's easy. It's like we live in this world where it's like, it's, you know, we have social media that it's just about, look how well I'm doing. And also instant results. 
Yeah, right. and everyone's like, how many likes did you get? And how many, and this and that. And it's like, and I see my kids doing that too. It's like, how many people like that photo you posted? And it's like, ooh, don't worry about that. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Even though I check. Yeah. <laughs> I look. I know. You know, but it's like I try to instill in them the things that I wish I, I felt. Yeah. But it's like, I wish I didn't grati- get gratification from that. But yeah. we all do. Yeah. And we can't help it. But it's just like, I try to be conscious about it, letting them know that it's like, yeah, we didn't win and that's okay. Yeah. Because we, do we have fun? And, we, and I've been coaching his baseball teams and... And uh, unfortunately, his teams are always pretty good, and we always, we win a lot. <laughs> but uh, but I try to let him know it's like, well, if we didn't win, let's talk about what happened in the game and how do we learn from that, right? And what can we do to next time? And, yeah. that, and again, it's like there are no mistakes, there are no failures because failure is our best lessons because we can sit back and go, oh, what didn't work? Yeah. Well, how can we learn from this? Because it's so easy for us just to celebrate success. Uh, where I think celebrating failure is so much more rewarding in the long run. Oh, 100%. 100%. I, I look at my life, the hardest times in my life were the times that I grew the most, and, and I'm more grateful for those hard times than I am for the you know, huge successes. Yeah, and you posted that great quote on Instagram today, the one about... Uh, when you're yourself, how does it go again? It's the one about oh, um, something about your power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That no one else is you, and that's your power. Yeah, you have to believe in yourself and your own uniqueness. Yeah, and I think and, and that's stop cool. comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, yeah, and it's so hard to do that. Yeah, especially because you, you look at people that think someone someone got that job or someone got this yeah. thing. And it's like, oh, why did they get it, and not me? Yeah. And you go, oh right, well they do. They bring something different, and but I bring something different. And you never think about the times that you get the thing, mm-hmm. and then someone else didn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I I I started coaching um, actors a while ago when I was pregnant because I wasn't working, <clears throat> and uh, and I did a couple workshops and stuff. And actors were always asking me like, what's, you know. What advice is the best? Advice? What's the secret? Yeah, you know, yeah. and and I remember, I remember having that moment for myself, discovering that where I was like, wait a second, here, here I am worried about quote unquote the competition, when there is no competition, because no one else has my story, no one else has my experiences, no one else is going to bring my perspective to this. Yeah role or to the, you know, and, and it applies outside of, it applies in everything that we do in life. Um, and I, and it was, it was, it was so empowering to have that moment and go, holy shit, I have something that no one else has. And I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm going to hold on to that and work with that. And I'm not going to, and it was funny because and, you know, like I said, we were talking earlier how you learn lessons and then you find you're, you're learning them again, you know, five years later or two months later, you know, kind of thing. But but I, re- I remember the comp- like that idea of competition and, and stuff just sort of faded into the background. Yeah. And it, it was a really amazing moment and revelation for me um, as an actor and, and as a person. And as someone who, like, goes to auditions and watches a lot of act and, and sees, like a lot of actors audition for the same part over and over again. And it's, it's so fascinating because there's so many, there's always like, everyone's trying to like I, eight out of 10 people that audition are trying to do it the right way. Yeah. 
And there and and those auditions all <laughs> feel and sound and act the same. Mm-hmm. And then you get like the twenty percent. If you're lucky, you get twenty percent of people like this that do it. That's the right way for them. Mm-hmm. And and you know, as a director, I watch that. and I'm like, you might not be doing it the way I think it should be done, but I know you you're bringing something unique to it, which is mm-hmm. probably better than what I wrote anyway. <laughs> and that's going to elevate it. Yeah. And now it's a real thing. Yeah. Because you turn my bad writing into something real. And sometimes you sit back and go, and it's like, oh, they were ad-libbing that whole thing. It's like, no, they did the script. They just didn't do it the way. They didn't do it. Yeah. yeah they, it's, the intonations were different here mm-hmm. and there. And they made different mm-hmm. choices. It's like, that's mm-hmm. what you want. And I, I mentor um, a lot of young filmmakers. And, and, um, and I know one thing that comes up periodically with some of them is that they worry that it's like, oh, my script is it's too similar to this or that. Or it's like, or I want it to be like this. Or how do I make... and. And my thing is always is like, you know, you can't, you know, the old Paul McCartney quote is like, you know, there's nothing you can say that hasn't been said. Yeah. But it's like, but nobody can say it the way you say it. Yeah. And if you, and if you just worry that and don't worry about, you know, just make sure you're adding to the conversation with your own voice. Yeah. And you can't help but be unique. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I found, I remember when, when I realized that for myself and it was very freeing. Um, it's great advice. It's great, but it's great advice that even transcends the art world too. Yeah, it's like the way you approach anything, anything, anything in life. You know, to to just stop looking sideways at other, the other people, and just believe that what you have to offer is enough and is unique. Yeah, yeah, you're gonna see the world in a way that other people don't see it. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. Tis. Yeah. Uh, so what? So what are what are final impressions you, you take away from this movie? Um. Hmm. Well, I mean, I've always enjoyed his movies, like yeah. uh, you know the other films that he's made. So this again didn't disappoint in that way. Um, and I really, I think the performances are are and his choice of how to tell it you know i i love i i his um the way he set the tension and the mood with his camera work and and changed that throughout was incredible i loved that um so i would say it was probably those would be the three like the the two major performances the lead performances and and then his directing choices would be the things that really i'm i'll take away i, I mean i can't say that i like i was like oh my god it's the best you know i can't it in some ways let me down a little with the sort of spoonful of sugar, but yeah. I also can see the reasoning behind it as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. you know, overall, it, it's a, it was you know a very well done. Yeah. Um, I had a similar. My the first time I watched it, the ending made me mad because it felt yeah. dishonest. But then I this time I was like, oh, it doesn't bother me as much. Maybe because I knew it was coming. Yeah. I knew that was coming. Um, also, how do restraining orders work? How come, <laughs> she can, how come she can show up at the dance at the end and that's okay? You know what? That is such a good point. And I had a flash of thinking that when we saw her at the thing. I was like, what the fuck is she doing there? Um, and then I let it go. But you're totally right. No. She, she couldn't have been there. Because even though she brought the, unless she had lifted it, lifted it, she's she's violating her own restraining 
supporter. Yeah, no, that, that wouldn't have worked that way. So maybe she. Let's assume she. Let, she it. lifted it for yeah. the dance. For yeah. the dance. I. I. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love the move. I love the idea of the story point where she like she lied about her coming. And then she actually and then comes, she, and and she, fucks her she up. Fucked her up. Yeah. yeah, it's great for a story point, but then my brain goes, "Wait a minute! Wait, hold on! There's, yeah. a, there's a restraining order. That's a that's a thing." Yeah, yeah. You know, good point. Anyway, but yeah. let, let's assume it got lifted off camera and we yeah. didn't see it. She decided, "What the hell? I'm not afraid of him anymore." He's dancing now, and he's lost so much weight. He's so he's dreamy. So different. <laughs> he can't possibly be harmful now. Look how look how good he looks in that suit. And that's what we leave this movie with. Yeah, he looks really good. Mental illness doesn't matter if you're handsome. It's true. Oh, that's a joke. (laughs) Please, everyone know that's a terrible off-color joke, and I regret every second of it. He just cringed. I cringed on myself. He visibly cringed. What did I do? That was bad. I couldn't even own it for a nanosecond. Uh, But not entirely wrong (laughs) about the message. They did cast entirely wrong. They did cast Jennifer Lawrence and Bradley Cooper. And they did mention the fact that he lost weight a lot, like almost too much for my liking. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, she says it to him in that last moment. You know. Yeah. She's like, oh, maybe you're not so bad. Oh, <laughs> like, that's true, too. Right? Like, I, I, that made me just kind of, I didn't like it. I was like, oh, come on. You're, you're better than that, David. Yeah. Come on, David. Yeah, and then it gives the, but I do love their final moment where she's like, you wrote that a week ago? <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I want to be romantic. I just love, it's, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's there's, beautiful. there's lots of great things. Yeah, it, 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 it what I like about their relationship is it kind of like, it it has this like throwback that reminds me of old like Billy Wilder mm. or Ernest Lubitsch movies where it's just got that there's a, there's something really classic about it. Yes. About their you know the energy they have. Well, and also the truthfulness of it, right? Like you said that this unfiltered dialogue between the two of them, this no bullshit. Sort they're, of thing, never, they're is, never trying to be cute with each other, which is really refreshing because nine times out of ten it's all about you know, appearances and games and, like, how can I manipulate? And Subtext. And, yeah. And whereas this was just very honest. Yeah. Yeah. Except for when she decided Lies. that they were going to lie about the... But what's company. nice is that... <laughs> but at least he knew right away. Yeah. And decided yeah. not to... Uh, decided to do it anyway. Yeah. Which was nice. Yeah. 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 Well, thanks for coming over. Thanks for having me. This is lovely. It was really nice. Such a pleasure. Yeah, I hope and Rufus there. He's been licking himself the whole time, so hopefully we, we have not been licking each other. That is Rufus. Just his paws. Just his paws. Yeah, there's something stuck on there that he's Nothing really Nothing inappropriate. No. Right, Rufus? <laughs> <laughs> Let's all go. Thanks for joining us for Silver Linings Playbook. Black Hole Films is a proud member of the That Shelf Podcast Network. You can listen to other episodes of our show and other That Shelf podcasts on thatshelf.com. Please subscribe, leave comments, spread the word, do all the things that let others know you like the show and how they can check it out. You can find me on Twitter, at Lon Jeremy, and go to Facebook and join the group Black Hole Films. And until next time, go watch something you've never seen before. Thanks. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat.